0: What's a happenin'? This is Pyromaniac Mo, and you are listening to the Pyro Lights Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 43. We heard Galactic Prophylactic was their original name. They go by Galactic Now from New Orleans. That was Go Go, off of their coolin' off album. These are one of my favorite guys. Galactic just makes me move, man. Uh, I remember at the 8th annual All Good festival they were performing and there was a guy painting them as they were playing it was sort of he was painting the air essentially uh above them so on his canvas he had a little bit of the crowd he had the band themselves and then mainly it was the air that he was painting the sort of visual music i remember dancing behind him all night watching this unfold and come to life on the canvas and i purchased it from him it's one of my favorite uh, pieces of art to look at today in fact good story i when i took out the money and of course this was after a long festival day let me tell you took out the money i gave it to him left my wallet there this is you know one o'clock in the morning in the field i go next day and i said you know where do you go I've, i've lost the lost and found i don't even know where to begin looking and they said oh it opens up later come back came back not only was my wallet there, the money was there too, and a little note tucked in my wallet said, Brother Bear is watching out for you. Have a good fest. So, Brother Bear, if you're out there, I've paid it forward, and I, I think of that often. So thank you, and uh, Galactic always makes me smile. Today, I've got a doozy for you, guys. We've got TJ Hernandez is back for more. Friend of Pyro Light. we're going to get into some DFS. This is for you daily fantasy players that have been playing a while, You're going to get some fantastic tips from TJ. This is also for you guys, DFS 101. If you are new to Daily Fantasy and want to dip your toes in the water, as it were, this is a great show for everybody. Regardless of your experience in Daily Fantasy, this is a good one for you. Speaking of Daily Fantasy, fantasy sports fans are winning huge cash prizes every day at DraftKings.com, America's favorite place to play Daily Fantasy Sports. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments. Play whenever you want. Just pick your sport and draft your team. It's like a new season every time you play, so you're never stuck with the same players. Over $1 billion will be won at DraftKings.com this year, and you could be next. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter the promo code PYRO. That is just P-Y-R-O. All new users to DraftKings are going to receive a deposit matching bonus of up to $600. This releases at at the rate of... Play And you also get a free $3 game voucher. DraftKings.com. Use the promo code PYRO. All right, guys. Now time to check in with iTunes. Uh, We've got a listener here who left us a review. This is RJB25278. And let's hear what he has to say. The title, Best Fantasy Goo on the Market. I've been checking out Pyromaniac.com for five years now, and this is going Uh, into my fourth season listening to the pyro podcast and i have not placed less than third in all of my leagues since i became a pyromaniac these guys continue to provide fresh insight and straight fire tune in and catch the fire thank you rjb we appreciate it keep those reviews coming in on itunes or wherever you download the pyro podcasts it helps us get noticed So we help you in fantasy and just help us uh, increase our stature. Leave us a review. Give us a subscription. Now, I thought about talking about some news and notes, but there there really wasn't a whole lot. I mean, keep your eye on the Washington backs, Uh, D-Rex. He he loves him some Matt Jones. I'm a little more hesitant there. I definitely want to turn into preseason, but preseason one Week one, you know, we didn't see much. The Washington backs didn't perform all that well, but you're on a really low snap count. Plus, sometimes you've got starters going against second team guys. So you really got to wait. Two, and specifically game three. Uh, some other big news, probably the biggest was uh, the tra- or the uh, <laughs> exile of Doriel Green Beckham. He was uh, released by the Titans, and he goes over to Philly. I'm not expecting huge things there. He'll certainly press Aguilar once he learns the book. If he can learn the playbook, he'll certainly press Aguilar, perhaps, for, for snaps there at boosts in ten to Tennessee. It uh, certainly boosts their roster. It's not as much of a hodgepodge anymore. According to Rotowire, currently, Richard Matthews is listed one, Tasia, uh, Tajay Sharp two, Kendall Wright three. Then you got the ghost of Andre Johnson, Harry Douglas, Justin Hunter. So still a lot of guys, but I think that's going to boost up uh, Matthews, Sharp, and perhaps even Wright over in Tennessee. I still like uh, Mariota there as well. And in Philly, I'm just kind of staying away mainly, uh, unless it's a tight end or my boy Ryan Matthews. All right, gang. As I said, this is a DFS podcast. Now, before I turn it over to TJ, again, he is one of my favorites. You can catch him over at 4for4. He's the associate editor, does a ton of great work there. And you can catch him on the MVP podcast with Chris Rabon. They do a fantastic job talking straight fantasy football daily style. So DFS is what they focus on, and that's what we're focused on today. I thought it would be cool to set a lineup before we click over to our interview with TJ. So I'm pulling up DraftKings right now as we speak, and I'm going to go ahead and set a lineup. Now, there's different ways to do this. I talk to TJ. This is one of the things I ask him about how he starts his roster construction, but once again, on DraftKings, you've got a quarterback, you've got two running backs, three wide receivers, tight end flex defense. There is no kicker. It is full point in PPR, plus you get the bonuses once they get to 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing and receiving. So... That said, I'm going to start defense. And I already kind of looked at this ahead of time. There's not any real super cheap defenses that I like. Uh, However, I think it's safe to say anybody playing Cleveland is good. And Philly happens to be playing Cleveland, and they happen to be playing him at home. So, one, I got a box checked off. Philly's at home. I like that for a defense. Two, they're playing Cleveland with RG3, who is not – Blown the doors off uh, the party over there in Cleveland. He is perhaps injury prone, but more importantly, in turnover prone. Uh, might try to come out and do too much. And uh, Philly can capitalize last year on DraftKings. Looks like Cleveland was uh, 31st. So that is good for me as Philly. So I'm going to go ahead and take them at 3,300. Next, I want to lock up my quarterback. Now, I like quite a few. I do like uh, the matchup there between Dallas and the Giants. That's got an over-under of 49. Now, just looking at Vegas, that's a high-scoring game. Uh, also, you got Oakland, New Orleans, so I probably want to get a piece of that action. That's at 50 over-under. And as I said, the Giants, Dallas are 49 over-under. Detroit and in Indy, 49 over-under. Uh, the opening for New England, open at 51. It's dropped all the way to 47.5. That's New England, Arizona. You also got another good one here with Pittsburgh and Washington. That's currently at 50 points. So those are the, the big games, right? If they're going to score more points, the over-under is going to be higher. That's what I'm going to want to get in on. So I, I looked at Romo. I looked at Manning. And I should note that I'm playing a tournament game, so I want to differentiate myself a bit, and I want to shoot high. So I want to try to capitalize on the best possible outcomes. But I also want to obviously set the best lineup. Now, according to DraftKings, if you remember, not even according to DraftKings, but New Orleans, they gave up 45 passing touchdowns last year. That was historically bad since the 63 Denver Broncos has a team given up that many. Touchdowns, passing touchdowns.
1: Uh,
0: So, Derek Carr is facing New Orleans. I think Carr could really do it. I I was bolstered by the news that our boy Mr. Hanging with Mr. Cooper was dealing with plantar fasciitis last year uh, out in Oakland. So that could certainly talk about... The uh, drop in play that we saw Derek Carr and Amari Cooper have. And I'm thinking that o- Oakland is really going to turn it around this year. That they've got a lot of mojo going. And I want to stack them, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and line up Derek Carr there. I think it's a bit of a contrarian. If he hits, I don't think a lot of people will be on him. He, right now on DraftKings, is 7,300. Seventh most expensive quarterback. Like I said, playing a historically bad, New Orleans. After I locked him up, I I know there's a couple of wide receivers that I want, and I'm going to be able to save some cash there. You all know that I love me some Moncrief. So I know that I want him. He's going against Detroit. That is, as I said, a high-scoring game. So I'm going to take Moncrief at 6,000. You also know that I think Marvin Jones, one, his value in redraft is fantastic. But, again, it's that same game. There's these games that I'm going to gravitate towards. I read them early on where there's a high over-under that both Vegas expects both sides to score well, so I'm just playing off both sides with a Dante Moncrief and a Marvin Jones there. I also got, of course, Derek Carr, another one of those high-scoring games. Now, I saved a little bit because I've got a 6,000 wide receiver and a 4,600 in Marvin Jones. I already know I want to spend up for some ODB. I like to take, especially in a PPR, I like to take a big-time receiver. They're going against Dallas once again. This is one of those big-time over-under games that I'm going to gravitate towards. I think one uh, Dallas or I'm sorry, the Giants, they don't have a running game. I think once they get in close, they're going to look to pass. Eli has the second most red zone attempts past two years. And I think ODB, Odell Beckham Jr., I think his target share is going to grow this season. So, so far, I've got Derek Carr, Moncrief, Jones, Beckham, and the Eagles. That means I should turn my attention, perhaps, to the running backs, I guess. Running backs or even the tight end. Let's go tight end. Because I know there's another guy I'm going to try to save some coin on. And you all know who I'm going with. Uh, This is going to be tough. And I might change my mind on this. Because I already have a wide receiver from this team. And that would be Indy. I was just going to go ahead and take my guy. From Indy, I'm scrolling for him. Dwayne Allen, he is way down there. But I've already got Moncrief. I'm going to go ahead and plug in Dwayne Allen for now and kind of toy around with the idea of stacking a tight end and a wide receiver. Not sure if I want to do that, but let me just plug that in for now. I'm going back to running back. I like to get pass catchers here. And again, I want to look for guys that's going to be in a big scoring game. Let's start off right again with that Oakland's New Orleans. Now, I've got Derek Carr, and I'm going to stack it with Latavius Murray. You're going to hear TJ talk about an interesting thing that he and Chris Rabon found, and that's stacking quarterback running back. can be an often underutilized strategy, and that's what I'm doing here. Derek Carr and Latavius Murray. I also want to take a, a guy i think is going to get upwards of a lot of touches uh with geo bernard cincinnati they they shipped off a bunch of pass catchers there leaving of course uh aj green they also have uh, eifert but as you know eifert is really banged up right now and of course they got uh, lafell who is also banged up and then the the rookie Tyler Boyd so I think Geo could be a really nice play here just with the condition of that lineup right now that team so there's Geo for 4,800 Latavius was 5,600 that leaves me with 5,900 for my flex I always kind of like to end with my flex just to see what I've got I also am thinking I might trade out of dwayne allen but we're gonna see so who does that leave me with one thing uh i will tip you guys don't be afraid to leave a thousand dollars on the table uh you don't have to spend it all that's just according to them they don't know uh they set these the, the cash value for each player long before so don't be afraid to leave money on the table but just looking at guys i could take ooh michael floyd i could take him and i could be right at zero so maybe i plug in floyd Now that would give me Derek Carr, Latavius Murray, Gio Bernard, Dante Moncrief, Marvin Jones, Odell Buckham Jr., Dwayne Allen, Michael Floyd, Eagles. The only thing I don't like about this, I got the Carr, Murray, stack, quarterback, running back, stack. The only other time, and I'm buying into all these big time games, New England, Arizona with Michael Floyd, that's a 49er over, uh, over under, 49er larger over under. Same thing with Detroit and Indy. And Lord knows I've got Marvin Jones, I've got Moncrief, and I've got Allen. Same thing with and uh yeah, same thing with the Giants in Dallas. Odell Beckham. I've got the Oakland, New Orleans, Derek Carl, Atavius Murray. So really my only game that's not expected to score high is I guess Cleveland Philly. And Geo versus the Jets. But of course Geo, just situationally, I think he's gonna do well. So that begs the question should I drop Dwayne Allen at 3,200, if I did, just looking at some sort of replacement level guy, 3,200, Dwayne Allen, Richard Rogers, Jordan Cameron, Kyle Rudolph, Clive Walford would certainly be interesting, but of course I've already got Derek Carr, Latavius Murray, I'm going to go ahead, now, Don Allen's interesting, Lord knows I don't like him, but they're talking uh, some injury news there with um, Ty Of course, Jacob Tamme could be neat, but right now, you know you've got the option to change. Right now, I'm going to go ahead and take Cameron Brait. Uh, He's going against Atlanta. They are the 29th, so basically only three teams gave up more points to the position on DraftKings than did Atlanta. Tampa Bay is facing Atlanta. Cameron Brait is the starter for Tampa Bay as of right now. I'm going to go ahead and plug in Brait. That is my lineup as of right now. i got $300 left on the table. Derek Carr, Latavius Murray is my stack. The only game that is not expected to score over 49 points is uh, I took Gio Bernard and, of course, the Eagles defense. Then I've got Dante Moncrief and Marvin Jones in the Detroit Indy game. I'm also gravitating towards that uh, New York Giants-Dallas with Odell Beckham Jr. And then cameron brait tampa atlanta michael floyd i've got new orleans arizona game and then eagles so that is my lineup we'll see how we do i should say this is a tournament game i got in so looking to maximize hit hit it out of the park and we'll see how i do sign in the lineup boom it is done all right folks so that is real quick the fun that awaits us this season. You are going to hear TJ talk about strategy again. If you are a novice and you have never played DFS, this is a great one for you. But even if you have, I'm telling you, you're going to want to get a pen and paper down, uh, write some of these stats down. TJ does a fantastic job. So I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to get to what you are here for. This is the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast. You're listening to me, Pyromaniac Mo. Give me a follow on Twitter. That is all letters, Pyromaniac Mo, and I'm here today with TJ Hernandez. Here we go. All right, Pyromaniacs. As promised, I'm here with TJ Hernandez once again. He was good enough to come back and sit with us again. He is the associate editor over at 4 for 4. Now, TJ is a former full-time poker player who has been playing fantasy football for more than a decade in fact he is now professionally dedicated to fantasy football his background in poker statistics and analytics translates to success in both daily and season-long fantasy football you can follow him on twitter at tj hernandez how are you my friend
1: jeremy what's up buddy thanks for having me back i'm excited i'm doing well how are you
0: I'm doing good, man. Uh, we were talking before, but you know, uh my summer is rapidly coming to an end. My family is moving. We bought a house kind of uh on a little lake, which is is great, but the moving part is not something. I think in Dante's 9 levels of hell, I'm pretty <laughs> sure one of those levels you just have to help somebody move every
1: single day. Oh man. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not a fan of that either, especially midsummer, but unlike you, my summer's kind of just beginning. Like my summer starts when all the families and vacationers leave san diego all the kids go back to school it doesn't start getting hot like like legit hot in san diego till right about now so all the beaches are going to clear out right when it starts to warm up so i could actually enjoy the city as it as people spread out a little bit
0: yeah, I got a cousin who lives out there. When I was going to school in Arizona, I'd go out and house sit for him out on the beach and uh, that was uh, I loved it going out to Ocean Beach, and yeah, man. calling my calling myself a surfer even though I wasn't, yeah. but it was
1: beautiful. Yeah, the the secret is to come out in September. That's the time to be in San Diego.
0: Yeah, fish taco. Taco Hut number 49, Ooh, I believe man. we were. <laughs>
1: uh, we were right near South Beach Tacos if you're in San Diego.
0: All right. Good good tip. Good tip. Well, TJ as I mentioned you have been gracious enough to uh be a guest on the Pyro Light Fantasy Football podcast before and uh apparently we didn't offend too bad because you're back for more but tell some of the pyromaniacs out there about what you do at the MVP podcast which of course is produced by 4 for 4 any new articles any new cool stuff you guys going you guys have going on over there
1: Yeah so uh Chris Raybon's my co-host uh, on DFS MVP podcast and Right now we're running through a bunch of preseason material. If anybody's listened to our podcast before, we split it up into to weekly picks, but we also do a theory segment uh, in the second half of our podcast just covering some general DFS concepts. So obviously outside of preseason, there's no weekly games going right now. So we're going position by position, running through all the studies we have on 4 for 4 right now. Um just looking at big games, looking at cash games, looking at GPPs, where all those points at each position comes from. So we're having a pretty good time with that, and it's it's really really fun. Um, other than that, just grinding away at four for four. That's where you can find all my work. And then uh, actually just launched my new project today, rostercoach.com. It's going to be a video-based DFS education site. So we're really really excited about that. And uh, if you uh, go to go to my Twitter, go to rostercoach on Twitter, you can see all the details. Cool.
0: I'll be uh, looking to check that out. You know, I've told you before, you are easily top five, one of my favorite follows, and uh, one of the guys I really respect in the industry because you put so much work into the studies that you do and uh, the analytics, and when you, you come up with a take, when you come up with a perspective, you back it up with some great statistics. So again, my hat is off to you. You just, uh, your work is outstanding.
1: I appreciate it. I mean, we're, like you said, we were talking a little bit off air and I don't have the responsibilities of most 30 year old people. I, I, no family, no wife, no kids. So like, don't give me too much credit. It's just like a very selfish endeavor.
0: Yeah. I've got, I've got all of those things. <laughs> and let me tell you, i I feel like a juggler sometimes who has a short term memory, like I've forgotten how many balls I've tossed yeah. in the air, and i'm <laughs> I'm waiting for a few just to fall on my head right. at any given moment. Well, Pyromaniacs, as I mentioned at the opener, we are going to talk a little bit of d f s for you today now, if you've are never played, if you're just looking to dip your toes into the DFS Waters, this is a great podcast for you. But even if you have played, even for guys like me who have played, I'm really looking forward just to picking TJ's brain. So this is a great DFS strategy podcast for all. So, TJ, let me ask you, when picking your DFS lineup, Let's just say quarterback. Let's start there. Give me a few stats you look at when you're selecting your quarterback.
1: Yeah, so we're probably going to have quite a bit of overlap here because uh, I think one of the best shortcuts and one of the stats that encompasses everything we're looking at anyway is the Vegas Lions. Uh, so I'll be referencing the Vegas lines a lot. Uh, so it's not so much that you just have to look at the Vegas lines, but knowing what to look for in the Vegas lines because it does vary by position uh so when i'm looking at quarterbacks i'm looking for uh it's probably not too surprising that i want a guy that's going to be in a high scoring game that's going to have an opportunity to score three or four touchdowns uh but probably something that people may not realize as much is that you really want the guy that's on the winning team so ideally if you could find the guy that's uh Usually at home, but that's not as important. Uh, but a guy that's a big favorite on a team that hopefully has an implied point total of about 24 points. And if people aren't super familiar with Vegas lines, uh, the implied point total is basically the uh, the half of the difference of the over/under and the spread. Um, add those two numbers up from each team, and you should know how much each team's going to score. And uh, the reason that a lot of people tend to uh, say just a guy in a high scoring game is the the logic is oh this quarterback's going to be losing he's going to be in a shootout uh so he's going to be playing catch up both quarterback we're just really looking for efficiency not volume uh so we're looking guys for guys that have a very high touchdown rate um completion percentage is kind of a a, a fluky not fluky but just a Not a super predictable stat, but it does lend itself to efficiency a little bit. And then another thing you want, guys, that are going to be able to avoid interceptions. Like the value of a drive, especially in DFS, is so valuable that if a guy throws two interceptions, it's just going to be very, very hard for him to to meet value or to give you a big game because – then you're asking him, maybe he has six or seven drives in a game if he's really lucky, you're asking him to score a touchdown on over half of those drives or, or three out of four if he throws two picks. Um. So efficiency is so important uh, outside of just finding that winning quarterback.
0: Yeah, you know, it's crazy. We always say you chase volume, you know, you, you want volume. And that's true for carries mm-hmm. and targets, mm-hmm. but not necessarily quarterback. And when you say, um you want a high scoring game and of course you got you and it sounds obvious you want a high scoring game and you want the favorite but sometimes in your head so for example we got the uh, pittsburgh washington it's the monday nighter uh we got an over under of it looks like it opened at 50.5 where i'm looking might be 50 right now but still high scoring uh, one of just a handful over 50 points and it looks like pittsburgh is uh favored so one might think oh Kirk Cousins he's going to be throwing a lot because he's not favored but I see what you're saying it makes more sense to go with the favored guy right he's favored for a reason so in that situation you would want again it's a high scoring game but you want Roethlisberger on the team that's favored correct
1: for sure and it's definitely going to depend on uh like you want to look at that spread because that is pretty predictive of of how uh, much of a gap there is between the teams obviously if A team that's favored by half a point is going to be way different than a team that's favored by seven points but generally what happens is if these if these quarterbacks get down by a touchdown or more um then they're in a spot where they're in a must pass situation and the defense could uh just kind of pin their ears back get after the quarterback and that's when things really get ugly is when that that uh when the defensive backs kind of sit back on the pass and those, those linemen could just kind of get after it, um, that's when we see efficiency really go down. So uh, that's why those losing quarterbacks uh, can tend to have some pretty pretty ugly games. That's why you see those things snowball so quickly.
0: Yeah, and uh, we, we're going to have some overlap here. And, in fact, we'll probably have some overlap just on, in content on Pyro. Uh, we are coming out with something called the Heat Index, and I've been working with our boy Archer uh, in using Vegas and how to use Vegas. Uh, for our algorithm as to who's going to score what and how Vegas might give you a hint. Uh, We're going to talk about that a little bit. I've got a Vegas piece that's coming out that's really, again, sort of 101 for you DFS guys or you guys who aren't familiar with looking at Vegas and how it's going to help you. So that's going to be a theme certainly in this podcast and uh, for me in the next couple weeks maybe. Now, you mentioned – interceptions if you are looking for a statistic to pick up a defense is that one that you would recommend looking at first yeah how many interceptions the defense takes away so
1: i mean turnovers are generally very very fluky so it's pretty hard to to look at turnovers and expect those to continue outside of some very specific cases there are a couple defenses that aren't good, but tend to gamble and, and, produce a lot of turnovers. Uh, the two that have stood out the most in the last couple of years are the giants and, uh, the Eagles. Um, but a lot of that had to do with Tom Coughlin and Chip Kelly. So the Niners could be that team this year. Uh, I mean, those defense that those defenses that gamble, like they're going to give up a lot of yards and a lot of points, but then they're going to generate turnovers because they're, they're really playing like a high variance style of defense. But if I'm looking just for safe, uh, easy to project defense, Kind of the the um, on the same note we just talked about how things can get really ugly when a quarterback is is behind and in a situation where they have to throw. Uh, I want a defense that is at home. This is more important than. It is for a quarterback. Uh the home favorites are where defenses can really get after it because it's you can't quantify this in the numbers, but there is something to be said about having that home crowd. I mean, you see it reflected in the Vegas totals. Teams basically get a three point bump just for being at home. Uh if a team's up by ten points and the quarterback's sitting back there trying to audible on, on the road, you know, in, in Indianapolis or something, that's a really good situation for, for your defense. Right. But outside of those Vegas totals, uh, I'm looking at the opponent's efficiency, how often a quarterback is sacked, uh, how often he's throwing touchdowns. If, if you find a quarterback that has a really high sack rate, um, it's probably a couple things, obviously the offensive line, but another one is a quarterback, a, a lot of sack, statistics has to do with quarterbacks holding the ball too long a lot sacks are as much a quarterback stat as an offensive line stat um so that quarterback that already sits back there too long when they're in a situation where they're losing on the road uh when they have to make some really quick decisions and defense is just bringing it that quarterback that's going to be the guy where you're going to get your pick sixes
0: that's a good one to align there when you're on the road and a guy that's holding the
1: ball too long Mm -hmm. Uh, i like looking for those beautiful i mean uh, that you can I think Fantasy um, Football Outsiders does it throughout the season. Um, I don't know if the off-season data is available, but they have how long a quarterback holds the ball. And I think PFF does it too, but uh, don't quote me on that because they've changed around what they do with their statistics a little bit in the last couple years. But the data is available.
0: Outsiders, Football Outsiders. That's a, a good tip to uh, look up and uh, one I will be searching for Shortly, and certainly during the season. Uh, Now that we kind of dipped our toes in the uh, statistics, I always like to talk statistics right away, um, let's just give a a vocabulary for some people, and you hear GPP versus cash games. First off, what's the difference, and how do you approach a GPP game versus a cash
1: game yeah uh the GPPs actually turned into a little bit of a misnomer gpp stands for guaranteed prize pool and not every tournament on every side is a guaranteed prize so but if it is guaranteed that means that even if the even if the game doesn't fill up then it's going to uh it's still going to run so you're just gonna have to get a little familiar with the games on each side. but it's basically tournaments versus cash games and usually when people are talking about cash games they're talking about uh, specifically head-to-heads, 50-50s, and double-ups. Some people include uh, triple-ups or three-man contests in their cash games. And then after that, uh, they have leagues, which are kind of in the gray area, some five-man leagues, ten-man leagues. And you could take some different approaches to those. Uh, but, I mean, in, in general, a very generic strategy is in a cash game you're trying to raise your floor. Uh, so you're trying to get a lot of predictable uh, guys in there, guys that are see a lot of touches, running backs that are going to see – 15 20 touches a game uh that aren't going to be too affected by game scripts so you're talking about running backs that are going to be catching the ball you think about the levy on bells uh jamal charles um the Matt Forte's, although he might not be a great example this year because he's gonna be splitting time, but I think you get the gist. Uh, quarterbacks, we already talked about. You want those very efficient quarterback scores. Uh, wide receivers, high targets. Uh, tight ends usually pay down. Um, tight ends are more looking at goal line work. I mean, you obviously want touchdown upside with with all of your guys, but if you kind of flip it around. You're talking about GPPs where you're really trying to raise that ceiling. Uh, you might be willing to take a, a running back like a Jeremy Hill who's not going to see a high volume but's going to see a lot of goal line touches. Uh, a wide receiver who's going to rely on a lot of red zone targets. Uh, maybe like a Deshaun Jackson who's going to see some big touchdown games but isn't necessarily going to see ever see 10 targets in a game. Uh, quarterback, you could pay down for maybe a quarterback that. Uh, Maybe isn't super efficient but doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. Maybe he's expected to be in a high-scoring game and for whatever reason his team's you know in a good situation to win. Maybe like a Matthew Stafford who you're not going to roster every single week as a safe guy, but maybe you will have some really high upside weeks. Um, so the the generic strategy is you're really looking to raise your floor in those cash games, raise your ceiling in those GPPs, and then the you can get into some really, really specific strategies on how to do that.
0: And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but basically, you want to, you know, raise your floor, kind of play it safe in the cash games because, for the most part, you only have to outdo 50% Mm -hmm. of the field. If you're playing head to head, you're playing what there's one other guy you got to beat, right? You got to beat, there's two people in this contest, you got to beat 50% of the field. Whereas in a tournament, that's why you want to kind of swing for the fences because now, you got to play, for, uh, try to overtake it 20% right. of the field, or even less in the really big ones. So that's why you really want to play for that uh, the high, high ceiling, like you say, the best possible scenario.
1: Yeah, and you really have to be very careful about how you're approaching your GPPs because it's not one size fit all. Where as in a cash game, I mean, th- there are some nuances, but in general, your cash game lineups are, are generally going to be pretty same, pretty much the same, no matter what contest you're playing. In uh, GPPs, if you're playing in a 100 man field, your your main lineup or the one line, single lineup you roll out, however you're approaching it should look really different than if you're playing, in, say the the milli maker where there's a million other opponents. Like those those lineups should look very different when you're trying to beat a million yeah. people. And also you have to pay attention to the payout structure. If it if it's a a flatter payout structure, I know you said we're going to do a little bit of a DFS verbiage here uh, flat payout structure means that it just means that the money is spread out more evenly so you know a contest could only pay 20% of the of the entrance, but if that money spread out very evenly uh, Then maybe you shouldn't be going with a super crazy lineup. Maybe coming in the top 10% is very very good Whereas if you're playing in a tournament like a qualifier or the millionaire maker where maybe they pay out 25% compared to 20, but the top you know, only the top five players are really making any real money, hmm. uh, then you should really be shooting for the stars. So you don't just want to look at the size of the field, but you really want to get in there and look at how they're spreading out that money. That should affect how you're building your lineup too.
0: Uh, that's interesting. That's an interesting one to think of. And I I got to tell you, Pyromaniacs, we are uh, going to take a break here. We are just getting into this with, with TJ and uh, we're, we've got a lot more to come. Now, I just want to remind the folks out there, you heard me talking about this at the intro, but of course DraftKings, we're all ramping up for the the DFS season. Uh just like I said in the the opening, go ahead, use the promo code Pyro over at DraftKings. New users receive a deposit matching bon- bonus and you get a th- free $3 game voucher at draftkings.com. Promo code Pyro. You're listening to PyroLite podcast. I am Pyromaniac Mo. You can follow me on Twitter. That's Pyromaniac Mo. And I am joined by 4for4's own TJ Hernandez. Follow him at TJ Hernandez. That is t- I'm sorry, T-J-H-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z. Now, TJ, I, I got to start off with a bit of trivia. So I, I want to keep the pyromaniacs interested over the break and uh, give you something to think about. So here is trivia question number one. And we're going to go to the break and then I'm going to get your answer. Trivia number one. Cowboys tight end Jason Winton entered the league in 2003. So mister witten Winton's been around for a while, 2003. He's played 13 NFL seasons. Of course, he has been a staple in the fantasy world at the tight end position for quite some time. So my question, how many times has he finished in the top 10 for tight end in standard formats? We're going to have that answer right after this. Stay tuned. Welcome back, Pyromaniacs. Remember, guys, head over to pyromaniac.com now. We've got your draft kit that you need. Only 20. 20- Bones, And you get over 20 tabs of fantasy, destruction, auction values, PPR rankings, touchdown dependency, and so much more. Remember, no reason to wait. Purchase your draft kit now, and you automatically get every new version sent to you immediately upon release. That is at pyromaniac.com. Now we're getting back to the fantasy goo, and I'm joined by TJ Hernandez. We're talking daily fantasy, but before we left, I asked TJ and the folks at home. We're talking Jason Witten. He's played 13 seasons in the NFL, and I want to know how many times has he finished as a top 10 tight end in standard formats? TJ, what do you think? 13 seasons, how many times do you think he's finished in the top 10?
1: All right, I'm just spitballing here. I'm, this is, I had no idea what this question was going to be. Um, I know that uh, tight end consistency is probably uh, a lot more important than people realize uh, in PPR leagues. It's actually the least touchdown-dependent uh, position for the top twelve, but this is standard. Um, in thirteen years, I'm gonna say in the top ten. See, it's not even as a title one, so that makes it even yeah. a little trickier. I'm gonna go with um, nine. Amazingly, he's finished twelve. 12. So the only okay. th- only time he didn't was his
0: rookie season. He finished twenty third, but I was kind of blown away by that, especially now. See? I mean, you you, yeah. you know you. Th- Think of him as, eh, he's a has-been. You get all these dad jokes, Jason Witten. But, man, talk about a consistent guy. And if I'm playing, you know, if, I don't know, Antonio Gates in my – um mfl uh, 10s i might get uh a witten like that just because antonio's old and gets banged up and witten is pretty solid he's
1: been there at for 12 years in a row yeah see i psyched myself out because i my lead-in was basically about how important consistency is and then i i, I uh <laughs> i alligator armed it with a nine if if i talked myself out of the big number
0: you got in your own head man yeah, you got in your own, own horrible head. that's
1: why i'm bad at dfs
0: all right gang we are <laughs> right getting back to uh the dfs talk now we got a little bit of verbiage thrown out uh gpp or essentially tournament play and and cash game play now guys i gotta tell you after listening to the mvp podcast last year i did so much better with my uh dfs fantasy in primarily i think it was bankroll management uh basically the the 10 80 20 um Tell the listeners a little bit about managing managing your bankroll season long, and then also how how much percentage
1: are you going to put in each week? Yeah, uh, bankroll is kind of my darling topic of of DFS because. Um, I think a lot of really good players end up being losing players because of bankroll mismanagement. And I think a lot of mediocre players can do very well in DFS if they manage their money correctly because people are just going to spew money. There, there's, It's like you're in this – uh, you know those machines that you used to go in when you were a kid and they have the dollar bills flying around. You can just grab them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's what bankroll management is. It's just how many more dollar bills can you grab because uh, – People are going to be, be doing this very poorly. So the 80-20-10 the rule is kind of a generic starting point uh, for bankroll management. And what that means, 80-20-10, uh, that means going backwards here. Every week you're playing about 10% of your bankroll. Um in a given week, we're just talking NFL now, so we'll talk about this weekly instead of daily. Every week you're playing about 10% of your bankroll, and then of that 10%, you're gonna put 80% of that money in cash games. So 50-50s, head-to-heads, double-ups, that's gonna vary depending on your bankroll, your strategy, your goals. Uh, And then 20% of that money in tournaments, again, depending on your strategy, goals, experience, that's gonna vary on where you, um, exactly where you put that money, Uh, but that's just a starting point. the first question I ask anybody that asks me how much should I be playing or what game should I be playing, uh, my two questions are how much is your bankroll and what are your goals? So I mean if – your your bankroll isn't the money you're playing that week, right? So if you have – if you start the season with $100 um, but you can you can deposit $20 every single week. Uh, your bankroll is $420 because you got the, the $320 you're going to deposit every, every week for 16 weeks if you need to plus your $100 starting. So if you're starting off with $100 and t- only playing 10% of your $100, you're really costing yourself some upside when you can afford to redeposit 20 every week. Uh, so you're tr- always trying to maximize that ceiling. That's what we're in it for. You want to win as much money as possible. Um, but then from there, it just depends on your goals. Are you trying to be safer? Um, do you want to have a really good experience? Are you trying to win a million dollars this year knowing that you're willing to lose all $420 if that happens? Or do you just want to turn your $100 into $200? Um, so all those things are really going to factor into your decision-making on um, on the bankroll. There There isn't this perfect – Science where you can plug it into a uh, spreadsheet. Although I'm 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 trying to formulate that a little <laughs> bit for people. I think I'm getting close, uh, but there's definitely an art to it and uh, some some things outside of just the the dollar amount that you have to consider.
0: So let me kind of ask you follow up then. You you asked. What you're in it for mm-hmm. i'm gonna I'm gonna kind of assume your your ten percent is basically the same and correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe if you're in it to win that million, then your twenty percent goes up the amount of money you're putting into tournaments, and if you are in it for you know maybe doubling your money or almost as an investment, then maybe your cash percentage goes up is that basically the trick yeah, I mean it's uh, when you ask someone what they're in it for right you know? and it's
1: also going going to um depend on your experience level because if it's your first year playing um you you don't know your your win rates or what games you're good at so it's you're really gonna have to take the time to figure it out and in that situation i think even if you you are um in it to win a million dollars i i think you can approach that without uh playing 20 percent of your bank owner a week if you're new and you don't know what you're good at if you want to take a couple shots say you have uh, 50 bucks to play in a week if if you're in it to play uh four million dollars and, and you're going to be playing say you, you i'm playing four million maker lineups every week this week one they're three dollars so out of my out of my fifty dollars i'm paying playing twelve dollars in the millimaker maker it's 20 percent of my money in play that week i don't care that that's a bad investment that's what i'm going to play well in that situation i would say fine you know you're taking that risk so in your cash games Instead of playing, I don't know, 50-50s where your your downside's a little higher because if, if your cash lineup doesn't hit that 50% mark, you're going to lose all your cash games. Well, in that situation, just play head-to-heads because now you're limiting your risk in your cash games. Um, so there's ways to to approach your goals without just kind of blindly throwing money at these games.
0: I like it. And like I said, managing my bankroll was something I I never really took too seriously until last year. And I got to say, last year I did phenomenally well. And I was all set to pull out after Week 16. I wasn't even going to play Week 17, but I was hooked. And so I ended up playing in the playoffs, and that's what really got me. I still ended up on top, but, man, I was just sort of jonesing to keep playing, and the playoffs really threw me off.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, if you only want to play a huge chunk of tournaments, um, you can – you can still get action in those tournaments and just play a play a lower dollar amount. Um play mm-hmm. fewer play fewer games. Instead of playing the five dollar tournaments, play five one dollar lineups. Uh there's lots of ways you can still get um exposure to that really high upside. Um, but again, you don't just have to throw your money at it. You can uh you can lower your percentage for the week. A lot of times if I'm uh say my normal mix is is eighty eighty twenty twenty. Uh, if I decide it's a week that I'm playing 25 percent of tournaments, that week I might only be playing 15 percent of my bankroll. Um, so it's just kind of a balancing act.
0: Now let me ask you this, and I, I sort of had the confession of uh, I did really poorly in the, in the playoffs last season. I should have pulled out week 16, but I also noticed I did kind of poorly in the first couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and I, I think I'm not sure this is no scientific. It's certainly a small sample for me, just I'm talking about last year. But really, it's a small sample size. Those first couple of games we really don't know is uh, Minnesota. They looked terrible week one. San Francisco, Carlos Hyde looked great, and then everything flipped upside down. We really don't know until, I don't know, week four, maybe. Um, Do you play? Do you suggest playing right off the bat, start from week one, or do you like to kind of see what the field's doing, get a feel for everything. Uh, get some rankings on these teams, see how they do first and then jump in.
1: Yeah. This is another part of the game where you just have to really know yourself and be able to be an honest self evaluator. Uh, I'm of the belief that, uh, early in the season was when I'm going the hardest, when I'm taking the biggest risks. Um, there's a few reasons for that. Um, like you said, there, there is the least amount of information. It's the time of year when, uh, Vegas is going to be the least accurate when projections, no matter where you get your projections from, they're going to be the least accurate. We're still trying to figure this thing out, but that's the same for everybody. So if you're somebody uh, like me who only plays NFL DFS, I have an edge on the field. One, just because I've been looking at this stuff all summer long. So I have this idea of players that I expect to be good that are going to be undervalued on the sites that – um that maybe not aren't on people's radars yet. Think of like Eric Decker and Allen Robinson last year. It took them a few weeks for their prices to uh, to catch up to to uh, their performance, and and I benefited from that a little bit. But at the same time, outside of what we know about football, just think about the economics of the game. Early in the season, early in the season is when the sites are running their biggest tournaments, probably the most profitable tournaments, because they are have an incentive to offer overlay and offer better payout structures and get new users in there. So they're giving you the highest expected value on your money you're probably gonna see all year in terms of what they're paying you. And then on top of it, their goal is to attract the newest users. So what's gonna happen? The newest players with the most money uh, are going to be there early in the season, and there's a small chance that if they do poorly, which there's a good chance they do because they're new, they're going to kind of run off with their tail between their legs, and you might not get a chance to get exposure to those brand new players. Maybe, you know, maybe not for the rest of the season, maybe not till. 10 weeks when uh when they get a couple more paychecks uh so i want to be in there when those players are in there mixing it up and yeah they're going to show up for the big tournaments but then they're going to click a couple head-to-heads because they don't know what those are and they're going to play in a couple cash games because they want to spread some money around and then oh here's 10 bucks i only have to beat one person i'll play one of these games uh, so I want to be in there when all that money is flying around. I mentioned earlier about bankroll, how we're, we're the kid in that clear box with the money flying around. Uh, the most money flying around is, is early in the year. So I want to be in there when that's going on.
0: All right. I like it. So let's, let's jump in here. Let's talk a little roster construction. Mm-hmm. So let's just use DraftKings. So DraftKings – There's no uh, kicker, which I happen to like. So you're starting a quarterback, you've got two running backs, you've got three wide receivers, you have a tight end and a flex, and then the defense, which is pretty standard these days. But roster construction, you sit down in front of your computer, and I will say, guys, if you want to really dip your toes, they do have some free games right now that you can actually win money. You can go ahead and start messing around with this. It's not going to cost you anything. Uh, When you sit down in front of your computer, on average, TJ, where do you start to fill your, your roster? How do you construct your, your lineup?
1: Are you talking about DraftKings specifically here?
0: Well, yeah, let's talk DraftKings specifically. That's the one I, I usually play, and it takes the kicker out. Uh, we can talk kickers in a second, but let's just say DraftKings, again, no kicker, three wide receiver, two running back, quarterback, tight end, flex defense. Where, where do you start?
1: Yeah, so the the two major things that you have to know about DraftKings are their full PPR and that you have a flex position. And as I mentioned earlier, we're trying to um, raise our floor. Uh, we're, assume we're talking cash games here. You want to maximize your floor in these cash games. So um, the first thing I want to do is I'm looking for value running backs, running backs that could really pile up the touches um, that are, are going to be effective throughout the game, regardless of if their teams winning or losing, obviously if they're, In a position where they're going to stay on the field because their team is a favorite, they're going to be winning and running the ball late in the game. That's a plus, um, but that's less important on DraftKings. Uh, What's more important on DraftKings is you have a running back that can uh, really give you consistent production, stay on the field, because there's full PPR, so you want a guy that can catch, and you really want a guy that at least has the chance to hit a 100-yard mark, usually rushing, but there are some guys with 100-yard receiving upside because there's a three-point bonus on DraftKings for 100-yard games from, from wide receivers and uh, running backs. And I think that's a part of the game that people really don't uh, account for as much as they should just because I think the lazy cop-out is that a 100-yard game is hard to predict. But you still want the guys that are that are going to give you the most likely chance to hit that hundred yards. So I want running backs that are generally I I want value running backs first. But early in the season, that might not be um, as viable. Usually where we see that is when there's injuries to the starter. um, We're going to see that backup player be uh, really, really cheap. Uh, think of like a Spencer Ware, Kendrick Shark, West last year. Uh, and then I, I'm looking for wide receivers that are go- going to have that double-digit double, double digit target upside. Uh, so kind of the old school of thinking is that you want to pay up for running back, pay down for receivers in cash games because cash games, uh, you, the wide receivers are going to be less predictable. But the way pricing has changed, um, the way the game is evolving, I'm on DraftKings. I want those targets. I want to be able to get a guy that's going to have seven, eight, nine catches uh, because that those points are really going to add up. And then uh, I'm just really going to, going to build from there. L- last year, you were really able to pay down a quarterback on DraftKings. It seems like they've changed their pricing algorithm a bit because there's so many quarterbacks priced over $7,000. Um, last year, there just weren't that many. Uh, so this year, you might – be more inclined to to pay up for the quarterbacks just because there isn't going to be as big of a gap in price. Um, but I'm really looking for some for some discount running backs. Not always, but I, I definitely want one to fill my flex position. Uh, and then those high target wide receivers, not high variance guys.
0: Okay, so discount running backs. Where are you going to spend up? Where are you going? Where are you willing to invest? the most is it necessarily a position or is it maybe a specific matchup when are you spending your cash
1: yeah I mean it's on on DraftKings it's so unique because of their PPR scoring that paying up for receivers just makes so much more sense than paying up for any other position because you're just going to be able to I mean if you can get a roster that has potentially 30 catch potential between your three wide receivers you're giving yourself such an advantage not to mention uh, the touchdown upside and yardage upside that guys that are seeing that many targets have Uh, I'm still going to be willing to pay up for running backs if there are guys uh, That are really going to separate themselves from the field like a Le'Veon Bell um but uh, those guys are few and far between, and we've seen so many running backs that are uh, that are priced cheaply uh, that are still getting the 15, 18 touches that it just makes a lot more sense to pay for wide receivers in cash games and in GPPs.
0: Now, we talked DraftKings specific, but what's the difference with FanDuel? So maybe just give a, a quick overview of a difference, and maybe when you sit down to set your roster construction on FanDuel, take us through your thought process there.
1: So... FanDuel is a little different because uh, they implement a kicker. They do not have a flex position, and the scoring is only half PPR. So what that does is it uh, it lends scoring to really favor touchdowns a lot more. Uh, so in this case, the running backs that are going to be in a very good game script are going to be guys that I'm going to target a lot more on FanDuel than on DraftKings, and the reason for that is because uh, since touchdowns, have such a a dominating effect on the Fanduel scoring system. Uh, A lot of times running backs are getting their their second touchdown or even first touchdown sometimes very late in the game uh, when they have the lead and they're able to just kind of run the ball and pound the ball. Um, And that's when they really start racking up those yardage and getting those extra chances to score those touchdowns that are really going to separate themselves from the field. Uh, Also guys that are getting a – a lot of of looks inside the 10-yard line for my running back. So a lot of times these guys are going to be more expensive on FanDuel. Um, But that's going to be okay because you're not getting the bonuses for those catches. You're not getting the bonuses for for the 100 yards. Um, And then wide receivers, I'm kind of looking more at their red zone targets. I still obviously want high target guys, and I'm going to pay a little bit more for the Antonio's and the Odell's and the Julio's of the world. Uh, but you can kind of pay down for that third wide receiver. Uh, that's going to see more, more red zone targets just because touchdown scoring is so much more important on FanDuel.
0: All right, gang, we, this is some good stuff and we're going to go a little bit deeper. As I said, this one has something for everyone in DFS. Uh, I just want to take this time to encourage you listening to the pyro light fantasy football podcast. Uh, we also have the Fantasy Football Fire podcast, everything brought to you by pyromaniac.com. Go ahead, spread the love. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. Up next, uh, we've got more trivia and banter with 4 for 4's TJ Hernandez. So here is trivia question number two Antonio Gates, another tight end, entered the league in 2003 in 13 seasons. This is very almost the exact same question like I've heard this before. as we had for trivia question number one. And it's very similar, right? They played 13 seasons. So, in 13 seasons, how many times has Antonio Gates finished? Now, this is I just wrote this one down as tight end one in a 12 team okay. league. So, how many times has he finished in the top 12? And I want you to think about that as you at home think as well and listen to this we'll be right back all right you are back with mo listening to the pyro light fantasy football podcast just want to remind folks head over to facebook.com and then Forward slash FF Podcast Network. There you can find Pyro, of course, but you got a plethora of other great independent fantasy football podcasts. Uh, We are all doing it on our own. It's a great place to get a wealth of knowledge, and you can also find out about a wealth of different podcasts. Uh, These were the guys that came out with the FF mixtape. This was episode 41 of the Pyro Light. It's a great place to get knowledge, but it's also a great place to uh, fill your iTunes uh, playlist. That's again on Facebook forward slash FF podcast network. I have the good fortune today to be joined with TJ Hernandez, associate editor at four for four. Of course you can catch TJ and his partner, Chris Raybon on the MVP podcast, which is one of my favorites. And I asked him a very similar trivia as to number one. This one was Antonio Gates entered the league 2003 in 13 seasons. How many times has he finished as a tight end one? Are we talking PPR? Oh God! I knew you were going to ask me that, and I think I forgot to write it down. I'm going to go ahead and say it was standard because okay. that's the way I looked at the first one. All
1: right. I'm. All right. This one's tough for me because I feel like, uh, like we felt like Antonio Gates has had some down years, but we've kind of just had high expectations for him because he had a high, he had a down year last year and he finished like as a borderline tight end one. So I'm going to. All right. Uh, I, I'm going to say um, 11. You, sir, are so close. It was 12. Oh, my God. Same See, I, thing. I strike myself out again. I, um, th-
0: Both these guys, of course, you always say don't take rookie tight ends. Now, in his rookie season, he finished a little bit better. He finished 19th. Uh, but they always say don't take rookies. They didn't finish there. But after that, man, can you get more solid – and steady as these guys, I mean, yeah. Well,
1: I mean, I was I was taking out his rookie year, and then I was like, I I thought there was maybe a, there was a year where he missed like four, five, six games or something. So I was like, eh, I don't know if he there. That's possible, but I guess uh, I guess he still did it. Oh, old man Gates. Yeah, and I'm really
0: liking Gates this year because he could uh, get the the record. He only needs seven to tie and eight to get the all time tight end record uh for most touchdowns Hashtag in Rivers artistry. let's do it yeah rivers has already talked about getting it to him of course rivers uh legacy is heavily tied up with gates and if they're already talking about it i think he's going to get there so i really like him guy you can get in redraft leagues you know 10th maybe the 11th these days although he's rising uh and i think he's going to get double digit touchdowns for sure now, we are here to talk DFS with one of the gurus. If there was a Mount Rushmore of DFS, I would have to bet TJ would be on it. Uh real quick, you talked a little bit about ways of getting an advantage and, and you said certainly this is a big one, but um injuries. So how do you how do you get an advantage after the um the, the prices have already been set? What's one way a player can get an advantage?
1: Uh, I think the most obvious one that we see week in and week out once the season starts is that backup running back stepping into uh, a starting role for, for an injured starter. Um, the sites, um, sites generally uh, price based on recent performance. Um, at least that's what they've done in the past. So what we'll see a lot of times is uh, I mentioned the Spencer Ware and Shark Hendrick West uh, situation from last year they uh, Jamal Charles goes out uh, there's questions about um, you know pricing has to come out the day after it comes out on Tuesdays sometimes DraftKings I think last year was coming out on Monday night so we don't have any information when this pricing comes out so uh, Jamal Charles goes down on Sunday breaks his leg or whatever Um, by the end of the week we oftentimes have a really good idea about who the starter is going to be and the sites haven't Obviously, they're not changing their price in the middle of the week. So by the time Saturday or Sunday rolls around, um, it's it's time to uh, it's time to to look up the info. We know that guy's starting, and we could throw in that cheap running back, uh, and that's almost a, a auto play. I mean, you're gonna have a lot of times where where people are gonna talk about fading the field and maybe that's a a viable strategy in GPPs. But if you get a guy that's priced, you know, sometimes you'll see them priced outside the top 35 and they're going to see 18 touches. I don't care if they're playing the, I don't know, the best defense in the league. If they're playing the Seahawks, I'm still going to, you're getting 20, 20 touch upside for like pennies on the dollar. You have to be taking advantage of those situations. Uh, That's the one that, that is most obvious. Um, I think last year, and again, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, uh, especially on DraftKings, you were able to pay down for quarterbacks, kind of the late round quarterback approach. But in DFS, uh, it looks like the pricing has changed on DraftKings a little bit. So I don't know if that's going to be as viable of a strategy this year. But I do think um, we can usually predict quarterback scoring pretty well. Uh, and if, if that quarterback's priced low, then I'm going to be more than happy to take an underpriced quarterback.
0: All right. Uh, I like it. Always looking for a way to get an advantage in DFS. Now, as I said, this podcast is for everybody. It's for those dipping their toes in the waters and those that have been playing and uh, continue to play heavily. Now, we talk talking exposure, as in exposure to a player. Now, I want you to ask or answer me when is, when does it become an issue? Now, if you're an average Joe and you're playing, I don't know, 3 to 5 lineups in a given week, I I'm guessing you don't really have to worry about this. But when does when are you worried about how much exposure you have in one player?
1: Uh are we talking about cash cans or GPPs or
0: let's say uh, well, let's say GPP though somebody looking to make the million and they're probably putting a whole bunch of different lineups out
1: there. Yeah, if if you're playing um if you're playing GPPs and you're really looking to um, uh, to take advantage of the field and you you really want to maximize your your shots at that big prize, uh, I don't think you should ever have 100% exposure to a player. Um, the if that one guy craps the bed, uh, you're you're never going to to hit that big prize. So in a GPP format, when I'm rolling out a bunch of lineups, um, I'll I'll usually cap my my uh exposure to that player kind of depending on what the field's doing so one way i'll try to gauge it is uh, let's just say i'm only playing uh, uh sunday only slate or just the main slate sunday and monday uh, you can look at those thursday games on fanduel and if you play a couple really cheap ones you could see uh, ownership percentages of, of guys that you've played in your lineups uh so say you're say you're targeting a julio jones Uh, You think he's a really good play, uh, but you want to see what the field thinks. So you play a $1 GPP, make sure you get Julio Jones in there and say Julio is owned in 35% of tournaments. So I'm going to gauge my, uh, my level of exposure based on the field. So if I want, you know, if I want to be on par with the field, then I'll, you know, have him in about a third of my lineups. If I'm, uh less confident in my read on him but i still want some exposure to him then i'll uh i'll underexpose myself so maybe i'll go 15 percent um then i'm i'm separating my myself from the field that way uh if i'm really high on him and i see his own 35 percent maybe i'll go 50 60 percent uh, ownership now i'm overexposed to him and that's where i could separate myself from the field that way uh, so that's kind of how i gauge my ownership Uh, in GPPs, um, just never having full exposure. But I will go 0% exposure to guys, Um, complete fade of guys if I don't like them in GPPs.
0: All right, so we're tossing out these words here. We define GPP or basically tournament play Mm -hmm. and then cash um, exposure. What about stacking? Maybe explain the term and then let's actually talk about the different sizes of stacks you can go with and which is optimal. So uh, what is stacking?
1: So the concept of stacking is playing players on the same team with the idea that uh, they're gonna you're really gonna maximize your ceiling you're gonna maximize your upside by getting uh players on the same team the tr- traditional stack is the quarterback wide receiver so you think uh, if a wide receiver has a really big game, a quarterback's gonna have a really big game. Uh, you might be able to roster the two highest scorers that position by by playing the guys on the same team. Uh, think about uh, that Steelers Raiders game last year. Um, they went off. Uh, I th- we saw uh, Saints Giants game I think last year. If you had uh, Eli or Odell stack in there, you probably had a really good day. Uh, so that's the traditional stack, the idea of just getting two guys paired up in the same game that are going to be highly correlated to each other. Um, but there's a, there's a bunch of different angles that, that you can take stacks, and I guess we can get into that a little bit more if you like.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, like, where would you cap it? There's two-man stacks, three-man stacks, four-man stacks. Of course, you can get uh, stack generators and all of that stuff. I re- I remember last year taking uh, the Allens squared uh, for in Jacksonville and Bortles as well. So essentially a, a three-man stack. Do you recommend capping it at a three-man? Do you go to four-man? When is it optimal to do that?
1: Um, I don't think there's really. I can't think of a spot where I where I get into a four-man stack because the what you get into the danger of um, of players really cannibalizing each other. If if there's a spot where I can get all the touchdowns and there's four or five touchdown upside, that's fine. Um, but if you're rostering, say a, a quarterback or running back and two wide receivers, it's going to be really hard for all four of those guys to have a good game. So, uh, in general, I think the, the highest I'm going to go is a three man stack, uh, two man stacks the most popular, but I think the, the one that people are probably a little scared of, um, because there's, uh, there's assumed downside to it. There's assumed cannibalism is the, the quarterback or the wide receiver with the running back. When in reality, that's actually a really, really good stack. Chris Rabon and I have been doing a bunch of off season studies this year. And we found that, Um, There's no negative correlation between a running back and a quarterback on the same offense. Basically, every time a running back gets a first down or a wide receiver gets a first down or a quarterback throws for a first down, he's getting all of his players that much closer to the goal line. So if you have a a quarterback, a running back, and a wide receiver, um, that's where you really have potential to get all of the touchdowns. So if a a team scores 35 points, uh, you could, in theory— have you should have all five of those touchdowns you're gonna get the running back touchdowns quarterback touchdowns and hopefully a couple of them go to a uh go to one of that wide receiver that you rostered um so that's my favorite three-man stack And, and a few less common stacks and ones that you probably shouldn't force uh running back into defense uh if the the thinking being if the defense is having a good game, that means they're winning. That means they're probably winning by a lot. A lot of times they're at home. And as I mentioned, uh, especially on FanDuel, that's where you could get that running back that's going to kind of pound it late in the game and shut the game down. And so that correlations pretty popular. Um, any pass catcher with a quarterback's is a, a, a fair um, stack to go after. Tight end quarterback, wide receiver two quarterback. Usually wide receiver three isn't going to have enough upside, but ultimately the best one is the wide receiver one and his quarterback. And then a little bit of a sneaky one um, is a quarterback and his kicker. If, it, if uh quarterback's moving the ball officially, that's more scoring opportunities. It's more chances on the other team side of the field. It's more field goal opportunities
0: yeah I heard you guys talking specifically about the the quarterback wide receiver running back stack, which you know in your mind, i guess you're thinking, well, if that running back scores a touchdown, then my wide receiver's not mm-hmm. however it depends on the game in which you're doing this, right? I think you got to find those games. that, And this is where Vegas is going to come into play, and we're going to talk about this here in a minute. But I, I could see where if you looked at all, whatever, 16 games in a season, in a week, yeah, okay, maybe you're not going to want to just throw a dart at a game and do that. But there are specific games, you know, uh, Pittsburgh last year with and Bell or even with uh, D'Angelo Williams and uh, Ben Roethlisberger, and Antonio Brown, that, that's a great one, especially if they're going against a week D and they've got uh, an over-under of 52 points or something. So w- at first, when you say quarterback, wide receiver, running back, it, that almost seems counterintuitive to most. However, I think you have to add that caveat, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that you're doing it for specific games. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, for sure. You want uh, teams that are obviously have a chance to score a lot of points. And then one thing you're looking for is, uh, a couple of guys that just really dominate those touches close to the red zone or close to the goal line. That's why you said you saw the uh – the the Steelers last year whether it was D'Angelo or Le'Veon you knew that running back was going to get all those goal line touches uh, we saw it with Julio and Devontae Freeman last year just those very defined roles near the goal line or inside the red zone so you really want to pinpoint those situations and then teams with high implied totals because they're obviously going to have more chances close to the goal line so you don't want to just randomly throw it out there just because a team uh has a, a very high team total doesn't necessarily mean you want to just go after the whole team. Uh, traditionally, a team like the Saints is really going to spread it around. It's really going to be hard to pinpoint who they're going to they're going to go after. So maybe you might shy away from a three man stack in that situation. Uh, but anytime you have those defined roles, I'm I'm all about it.
0: Now we alluded to this earlier, and again, I've got a piece coming out hopefully right before the season starts uh, using Vegas uh, to help with your fantasy lineups uh primarily let's let's talk that implied team total first um what's the magic number when are you really looking towards an implied team total now it i heard you guys already but again the for those listening the implied team total you just take the uh over under and or i'm sorry yeah the over under you divide it in half and then you divide the spread in half and then you add the favored team gets uh, half the spread. The underdog gets half the spread taken away, and then you have the implied team total. Uh, when is when are you really getting your hairs up? Like, oh my gosh, this team has an implied team total of blank, and that's when you're going to pay attention.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the position that that is really um that is really influenced by the team total is the quarterback. Um, it just the. The running back is going to be more important when his team's winning. Uh, yeah. The wide receiver, if they're a good wide receiver that's seeing a heavy amount of targets, um, it's not really going to matter too much if they're on a high-scoring team or a uh, or on a losing team. Uh, a tight end, uh, their production's so driven by by goal line usage that we're just looking at a lot of uh, red zone looks. They just aren't seeing that many targets to be consistent anyway. So really I'm looking at the quarterbacks and kind of the number that uh, we're, we're really kind of – there's no magic number per se, but what the data seems to show that around that 24, 25 point um, implied total mark is is where quarterbacks either kind of start to drop off or where they're, they're really going to separate themselves from the field. Obviously the higher the better but we also run into the issue that there's just less teams uh with implied totals of 28, 29 points. So there's a lot of noise in those numbers. Uh so right around that 25 point mark is where it starts looking really good.
0: Yeah, that number did that number surprise you? I heard you guys talking about it and I thought it was low it was lower than I expected. I would have said, you know, uh I don't know, four touchdowns like 28 or something mm-hmm. like that. So that number seemed low to me. Did it uh, surprise you at all when you guys put in the
1: work well the i think the reason it's surprising to a lot of people is because you think about um just think about what you hear week in week out on on a podcast or if you read an article we're looking at those those top two or three teams and those are the teams that are generally projected for those really high team totals uh but if you if you go back and look at the data and look at who the the top scoring teams are week in and week out uh A lot of times it's not the highest projected team but someone that was the third fourth fifth highest projected team Uh, so it's not so much that it's the the team with the 27 28 point implied total but it's relative who are the the top five six seven uh, highest projected teams and those are the teams that are going to be the most likely to be the highest scoring it's going to be a mix you're, you're never going to be able to nail it down exactly but usually there's only a handful of teams that are crossing that 24 25 point mark so it's not so much the that point total but as those are those top five or six offenses that we're seeing every week
0: gotcha and obviously those are the ones you want to invest in now we talked implied team total as a way you can identify a quarterback How about a spread? You mentioned perhaps defense and running back, but how are you using the spread to your DFS advantage?
1: Yeah. So again, um, the, the quarterback is the position that's going to be, um, that that's going to be most affected by the spread. If they're in those favorable passing conditions, that usually means it's kind of chicken or egg situation because you have uh, an efficient quarterback is usually going to lead your team to a lot of wins. Uh, but then being in a winning situation is going to lead to high efficiency situations. Uh, so it's a little bit of back and forth there. So while a lot of people are um, are using the spread that way, and you, you should be doing it that way too, and with your running backs, especially on FanDuel as well, um, I think some underrated ways to use these situations are, um, and you can kind of exploit it. People not, might not be looking at this correctly. Um, the spread for tight ends on FanDuel. Um, tight ends are tied a lot to what their team's doing because they're not seeing high targets um, but when they're in efficient offense when they're getting more opportunities closer to the goal line uh, they're going to have uh, more opportunities to separate themselves from the field um, so especially on Fandle where touchdowns are weighted very heavily if they're in those winning situations where they can move the ball a lot uh, you can kind of take advantage of that by if you're in a coin flip situation take the tight end that that is more likely to be in the winning situation. On the flip side, we hear uh, this Vegas narrative kind of bleed into all the positions, right? So, oh, if, if the Vegas total is good for the quarterback, then it's probably good for wide receivers. So I, I'm just going to get all of these players that are favored at home. Uh, with wide receivers, it's kind of a coin flip. Uh, I kind of mentioned it earlier that if, if there's a high target guy, he's usually going to get his regardless of – who he's playing against. Um, in the very rare cases, um, I don't. Revis Island isn't as much of a thing anymore. Uh, Josh Norman did his thing last year, but for the most part, uh, an AJ Green, a Des, uh, Antonio Brown, an Odell, they're gonna get those theirs no matter what. So especially in a tournament situation where people are avoiding low team totals, you can really get an advantage by just taking a top guy that looks like he's in a bad situation. Um, And that's how you can kind of flip how people are using the spread and use it to your advantage.
0: And one thing I often do, so let's just real life here, on uh, September 11th, Miami plays at Seattle, so at home. This is the largest spread of uh, week one. Seattle is favored by 10 points. So in theory, they're favored by 10 points. Game script would think that Seattle is going to be running the ball and Miami, because they're going to be down, is going to uh, be needing to pass the ball uh, that's the, one of the most basic ways to, to look, uh, is that what you look at as well? Is that what that score reads to you? I mean, basically they're, because they're favored, Seattle's going to have a game script of a, a positive game script, a lot of runs, Miami's going to be down. They're going to need to throw. So you might want to invest more in a wide Miami wide receiver, Seattle running back. Is that basically
1: what you're looking at? Yeah, that, uh, I mean, I think you summed it up pretty well. The reason you can, uh, you can get a uh, wide receiver in a bad game script and not a quarterback where he's going to be in a really bad efficiency situation and might have a fumble or a sack or a uh, turnover is think about a situation. um, And I'm stealing this from one of Chris's articles, Chris Raybon's articles. Think about a situation where a team's in garbage time uh, and they're throwing the ball and the quarterback, I don't know, they don't score a touchdown, but they gain 60 yards on the drive. Um, 50 of those are passing and, forty four catches for 40 yards goes to one wide receiver um if you're on if you're on draftkings that quarterback got uh what 50 yards so tw- two points um on that drive that wide receiver that he just hit four times for 40 yards he just got eight points on that drive in garbage time uh so that's like a, a really exaggerated situation of um, why you can target the wide receivers in garbage time and not the quarterback? And I, I don't think people realize you just have to look at the scoring. That's that's a huge eight points is huge, you know, at the end of the game. And then maybe you luck into a touchdown at the end, all of a sudden you have a you have a sixteen point drive on the last drive from your wide receiver uh, just because their team was behind, and we see it all the time
0: all right gang we are about to get into a couple of names gonna drop for you for week one but before we do just want to remind folks if you are starting a new league this year uh let us give you 10 bucks just for doing it go over to leaguesave.com forward slash pyro get all the details but basically i'll give you the gist league safe they they take care of all the money transactions uh all you need to get the ten dollars is five unique paying members and $250 in your balance. Boom. You get 10 bucks just for doing it. Got to use the promo code PYRO. That's P-Y-R-O. Got the last of today's trivia here for you, TJ, and folks at home. So think about this one, and then we're going to pause for a commercial break. We got number three. I think the answer is
1: 12. <laughs> I,
0: I like that. I like that uh, confidence. Uh. Drew Brees entered the league in 2001. He has played... 15 seasons, how many times has he been a quarterback number one in 12 team leagues? Again, Drew Brees, quarterback one, and he's played 15 seasons. Think about that while you listen to this. We will be right back. Welcome back, Pyromaniacs. If you are interested in a paid subscription service that's going to help you navigate the treacherous waters of the fantasy football season, look no further. Pyro Pro is for you. You can sign up for 365 days of access, get our weekly rankings, news feeds, ask questions, resource toolbox, follow up to 100 players. It's a great in-season tool. Uh, You can utilize it right now. I know the news comes fast and furious, but we're trying to keep you on top of it. Check it out at uh, pyromaniac.com. That is Pyro Pro. All right, gang, we're here with TJ Hernandez from 4 for 4 and uh following up on trivia question number 3 I asked Drew Brees ended the league in 2001 so he's played 15 seasons how many times has he been a quarterback one in 12 team leagues what do you think sir
1: I mean it, Drew Drew Brees in San Diego seems like a different yeah, life that's, the that's like part. a different lifetime ago um yeah I think he came to New Orleans in 0- 05 or 06 um I mean, I'm just thinking about how much LT dominated those touches while while Drew Brees was there. I think he came to New Orleans in 06, so I'm going to say he never had one in San Diego and say 10. He failed to crack
0: the top 12 in his first three seasons. He was able to do it uh, in 2004 and has done it in every year since. That's 12. God, see, I had the right answer
1: the first time.
0: Well, you got to go with that sure initial instinct. Where's the confidence? Where's
1: the confidence? You can just going? edit my first twelve that I yelled into that part.
0: All right, I'm I'm a master of the edit <laughs> button, believe you me. Uh, again, just showing a lot of consistency. I got a chart. If I had enough time to do all this, I'm hoping, but I got a great chart. I've been hearing a lot of people talk about Big Ben over Drew Brees, and just statistically, Brees has him pants down. That's egregious. Uh, I know, and they're going in the same round.
1: Don't do that. If you like no if you like winning fantasy football, don't draft Ben Roethlisberger.
0: I, I know. I don't think he's a good one to draft this year. Look at what's happening to that offense. And like I say, especially compared to Breeze, going in the same round ADP-wise, I've heard people talking about this. I put it out on Twitter. I was surprised at how many said they would take Roethlisberger. And uh, the chart that uh, Pyrolytics came up with, I'm gonna make a video of it. It's just it's Breeze hands
1: down. Oh man, as much as I'm a, like known as a DFS guy or whatever, uh, I'll I'll pound the table harder for my redraft takes way more than I will my DFS takes because I spent all off season looking at this stuff and I'm like no dude, there's when when I get sold or end up hating a guy in redraft, um, it's gonna be hard to change my mind and there's no way Breeze is worth his price. I mean uh Ben. Yeah.
0: I'm surprised. I think everybody had it kind of in their head when before all the news hit. And now, I mean, Ladarius Green, he's got these issues. He's losing players left and right. It's just not going to be the same as what it once was. All right. Now, guys, I usually take this time to talk players, but we're not talking redraft. So I normally do the one bounce back, one bust, one sleeper. However, we're going to use a little different vernacular here. You don't have that kind of stuff. We're, We're talking DFS. So. Uh, Let's toss out a few cash plays. Uh, You can talk psych-specific if you like, TJ, or or just in general. But again, uh, cash plays, you're just looking to beat basically 50% of the field, so you don't have to necessarily get too contrarian. Like you said, you're just playing floor, um, or that's what you're really trying to, to utilize. So give me some solid... Cash plays in week
1: one. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go bottom up here. Uh, you want any specific position or just throw out a couple of my favorite guys? Just or... toss out a couple of your favorites. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the guy that stands out the most to me is Giovanni Bernard. Uh, he's 5600 on Fanduel, uh, 2400 on DraftKings, where I'm just like salivating because he's pressed the RB 24. You get that flex position. He's a pass catching guy, and then Cincinnati is a Two point. I don't have it in front of me. Two point dog at New York. I think New York's gonna still be pretty good against the run. Uh, but Cincinnati's gonna be in this situation where they have AJ Green and then just like what stuff? Uh, Brandon LaFell. I think he's already he's he's already hurt. <laughs> Tyler Boyd's yeah. a rookie and I think he's just gonna end up being a slot guy anyway. And you just never know what to make of rookie wide receivers. Tyler Eifert might not be healthy. So yeah. there's. 30 percent of the target share to make up uh i don't think jeremy hill as much as he's had this defined role in the past that had a lot to do with hugh jackson this could be a situation where the offense just goes through geo like geo has 12 target upside in week one he can have 20 touches in week one and he's priced really low um so he's a guy that i'm really going to be looking at uh frank gore is another guy as much as i'm avoiding him and in redraft even at his depressed price just because he's uh I mean, I, I think he's like the same age as Brett Favre. I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need to stay healthy for more than one week in, in uh, DFS, and he's priced right around the RB20, I think, like RB18 uh, on DraftKings, and the Colts are at home, favored by five. Uh, you're going to hear me mention a couple of Colts takes here. Uh, and then kind of we at the same price as Latavius Murray. Uh, his price is outside the top top 15. Um that's going to be a really high scoring game Raiders at the Saints but uh, I think a lot of people are are going to be on the passing games Um, Latavius Murray is probably going to get all the work early in this at least early in the season um uh they've they generally as much as people say they don't want to just have him be the workhorse um that's that's kind of been the way it's been in Oakland. So I think yep. early in the season that will be the case. And he's just so cheap. Uh, another guy that really stands out to me, and I'm just going to skip to tight ends, is Dwayne Allen. Um, he's only $3,200 yeah. on DraftKings. When Andrew Luck is healthy, the Colts target the tight end like crazy. Um throughout the field and especially in the red zone. So people are gonna be targeting Moncrief, um, maybe a little TY, but Dwayne Allen's the guy that I really want in that game. Uh similarly the Colts defense at home I know I keep going back to the Colts, but they're at home favored by five and they're they're not a team that people are, are generally like thinking of as a good defense. Um but uh, I think they're they got Detroit right. So if Matthew Stafford gets in an ugly situation, we know Stafford loves to give the ball up. So uh, Detroit could, I mean, Indy could end, end up being a really, really good spot, and they're priced uh, like twenty five hundred on DraftKings. So this it, a lot of the Colts.
0: Yeah, I'm you know I'm a Motown man, and so playing Detroit, yeah, Indy. Uh, Let's see, 49 is the over-under in that game, and uh, Indy's negative five right now. So they're the favorites by five. Uh, whew, man, I- I'm really hoping Stafford and the boys can turn it around this year, but let me ask you this, Dwayne Allen, I've had this long-standing uh, debate with uh, D-Rex. I'm really all about Dwayne Allen this year in redraft. What do you think of Dwayne Allen in redraft?
1: Yeah, I'm. he's probably my most own player. I don't. I don't have my shares in front of me right now, but... Like, double-digit round tight end. Um, like, yep. he's in the running for tight ends that are going to lead their position in touchdowns. Uh, yeah. Like, the when, when Andrew Luck's healthy, they target the tight end in the red zone more than any other position. Although it's a small sample size, Dwayne Allen's red zone conversion rate, his targets into touchdowns, um, are top three. He's like up there Julius Thomas and Gronk. He's over 40%. Uh, so he's been way more efficient than Fleener in the red zone and now Fleener's gone. He just hasn't seen the volume cause he's been sharing with Fleener, obviously, but when he's the only guy, uh, look out, that's, that's the guy I want. Like,
0: yeah. And it's a, a lot of the reasons I like Moncrief. They're, they're both, uh, pass catchers over six feet tall. None of the other wide receivers are. And they, they got Frank Gore. They don't really have a red zone back. And I think they're going to pass a lot once they get yeah, down there. So too. Who better to, to pass to than the tallest targets you got out yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. All right, so I asked you about some some names for for cash again, trying to optimize your floor. What if you're getting in the tournament plays and you're gonna to need to differentiate yourself a little bit? What are some names that you're gravitating towards in the tournaments for week one
1: yeah uh man i've I looked at this a little bit beforehand. I haven't really built too many um g p p lineups. I think the guy that stands out to me the most is Jimmy Garoppolo uh he's really? he's super cheap on both sides i've been looking at uh i've been kind of playing with some numbers that compare uh running uh quarterbacks to their pass catchers in week one pricing um if you add up the top three pass catchers on a team and compare it to the quarterback price uh that kind of should show us a, a inefficiency hmm. in pricing um because obviously if if the pass catchers are priced highly, then we expect them to have decent games, right. right? And the guy that's thrown it to him should be kind of in the same range among quarterbacks. But the biggest gap that favors uh, quarterbacks is the Niners situation and the uh, Patriots situation. Um, I don't know if we're going to want to target the Niners passing game early <laughs> in the season. Um, but New England, they're going to be in a high-scoring game at Arizona. Uh, and I know we talked about teams that are losing. Um, they could be in pretty bad situations, but... I think this is a spot where it'll be high scoring, and I, th- I think uh, Bill Belichick will is one of the coaches that'll put his players in really good situations. Regardless, we can see Dion Lewis getting a lot of targets. Um, we can see a lot of targets to to uh, to Gronk, who's obviously going to be a little closer to the to the line of scrimmage. So um, Garoppolo is a guy that I kind of can't stop looking at um, as a cheap GPP guy. Uh, I mean, as I already mentioned, Allen as a uh, cash play, but I think he's in play everywhere just because he's so cheap. Um, after that, I, I haven't really dug into too many really cheap wide receivers. I mean, I guess one that stands out to me is Marvin Jones. Um, just oh, I love Jones just, and redraft especially. Yeah, just because that's going to be a, another high scoring game, and um, I talked about how if there's a player, if there's a position that could benefit from garbage time, it's a wide receiver we right already here and kind of talk about the Jones might end up being the number one receiver over Tate. Uh, so I really like him at $4,600 on DraftKings.
0: What about – I like the game here. The Cowboys-Giants quarterback. Uh, do you like either a Romo or an Eli?
1: I think uh, Romo-Des will probably be my most owned week one stack. Um you just ask yeah. for cheap gpp guys but if if you're just looking at players that the public is going to ignore because of what happened last year but that traditionally scores a ton of touchdowns like that's the combo like Dez is the best red zone target in the league save maybe Gronk um and people people just like people remember what happened most recently and most recently the Cowboys passing game sucked so I think despite the high team total, they're going to be under-owned, and I'm really looking to exploit that situation.
0: All right, TJ, you've been so gracious. You've given me the time. You've given us some great names. So I hope the Pyromaniacs are, are taken pen to paper. I know I am. Uh, the last one for you, now, when I do the weekly, once we get into the season, when I do the weekly light, I call it the What You Talking About Willis plays. That is, there, there's a name in every podcast. But the real cheap plays, the plays that – um, are going to be allow you to spend up at other positions maybe it's you know uh, 500 over the minimum budget so like 3,000 on DraftKings. uh any bottom dollar guys that you think you could go ahead and take a chance on in order to spend up at other positions who are some cheap guys you really
1: like yeah I, this is going to be a little contingent on what happens in training camp but uh all off season i've really been pounding the table for uh, Buck Allen as the guy to carry the load of that offense. Uh, if he does come out as the starter by week one or even expected to see a decent amount of the volume, he's only $3,600 on DraftKings, $5,400 on FanDuel. Um, another guy that I had kind of in the same ilk, who did I have here? Sorry, I'm looking for prices. Oh, Bilal Powell. He's $4,300 on DraftKings, especially on DraftKings where I think – They're the um the Jets are are gonna be a pass heavy team and they are I think they led the league in four and five wide receiver sets last year, and there's some talk that Forte and Powell could be splitting touches, but they've also talked about Forte lining up in the slot. So if they're splitting backfield carries and then they're putting Forte in the slot sometimes, we could see a situation where Powell gets like the majority of the backfield snaps just because they're kind of throwing Forte around everywhere. And Forte's been, people don't realize this, he's been really bad in short-yarded situations, like one of the worst in the league. Um, I don't know if Powell's good or not, but I know Forte's bad. So uh, Powell could be a sneaky guy that's really cheap.
0: Yeah, and Forte, he's banged up right now, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't realize they're paying them basically the The same same amount. Yeah you know so that you know they are expecting to use Powell i think a lot more than people realize um one that i kind of just took note of is a guy i really like in redraft just wanted to get your take on it Clive Walford on uh, DraftKings 3,000. He, he's way down there. He's playing. That's a, a, a shootout of a game. He's playing New Orleans, who were historically bad last year. What do you think of a Walford against a New Orleans defense?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, the, my problem is I don't know where those those red zone looks are going to go in Oakland. Um, mm-hmm. We saw Crabtree. Uh, yeah. He didn't really dominate him last year as much as people realize, but he saw the majority of them. Uh, and then yeah. after that, it was Seth Roberts. Um, right. None, almost none went to Cooper, but the th- the weird thing about the Raiders was last year their their red zone passing touchdowns were really really high, uh, but their attempts weren't. Their attempts were like pretty much in line with their uh, rushing touchdowns. So they were just not converting those rushes into touchdowns. Uh, I think just naturally that could flip a little bit, and we can just see way less passing touchdowns than we expect from the Raiders even in a high scoring game. It's kind of why I like. Uh, Latavius in week one um, so I'm a little hesitant on the Raiders passing game right now even in a, that really good situation and then I mentioned a guy like Dwayne Allen who I'd get for 3200 It's just so hard yeah. for me to get off of that.
0: Yeah, I love me some Dwayne Allen this year so I, I like that and uh, I, I wrote down a ton of those so I'm going to D- take that to heart and play. Get ready to start setting my lineups. It's, it's exciting. Yeah,
1: a really sneaky one. If um I will, they just said Will Ty was hurt in, in training camp the other day, and uh oh. and Will Ty and Larry Donnell were gonna were kind of it looked like they were gonna split touches, but if Will tie if there's if he ends up being hurt, um Larry Donnell's twenty nine hundred. Larry Donnell's not good, but for some reason. Eli has just like zeroed in on Donnell in the red zone when he's healthy. Um, and that's gonna be a super high scoring game that everyone's gonna want a piece of. And if for some reason ties out week one, uh, Donnell's gonna be a super sneaky play and you're gonna get exposure to that game with a guy that no one else is gonna have.
0: Well, that was one of the tips you gave. Uh, look for a guy who is injured sort of after they set the the prices. And I've been beating the drum for Ty, but one of the reasons I've seen Donnell play, but if he's the only one that's able to go, uh only Aaron Rodgers has more red zone attempts these last two years, mm-hmm. uh, over Eli. And similar to Indy, I kind of think, they don't really have a red zone back. I, I think when they get down in there they're gonna have to pass and I like the I like the tight end call for the Giants.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I don't think I don't even think Donnell's good, but they're just Right. History's shown that Eli's gonna go after him when they're 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 near the goal line.
0: I like it, brother. I like it, my man. Once again, folks, this is uh, T J. Hernandez, associate editor at Four for Four. T J, you're back for number two, and I really thank you. And uh, you dropped the knowledge on us today. Can't thank you enough, man.
1: Oh, it was a blast. Thanks for having me. I could I could talk about this stuff all day. I mean, I kind of do. It's my job, but it never gets old. <laughs>
0: Well, seriously, one of the best. So I really tip my hat to you, and I mean it when uh, I enjoy your studies and your work. Keep on doing what you're doing because I love it.
1: Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.
0: Folks, that was TJ Hernandez, as I said, Associate Editor at 4for4. Follow him on Twitter. That's TJ Hernandez. And, of course, check out him and Chris Rabon. They have the MVP podcast, which I just think is uh, invaluable during the season for DFS plays. Folks, As always, we will catch you on the flip side.